Hey, welcome to Socialism for All. This file is being recorded for the June 2022 edition of Socialism for All, and it's an audiobook and discussion of Democracy and Dictatorship by Lenin from 1918. If you like this video, please click like and subscribe, and consider supporting on Patreon at patreon.com slash socialismforall. There's a link to Patreon in the video description. So this piece was originally written December 23, 1918, and it was first published January 3, 1919, in Pravda Number no. 2. The source is Lenin, Collected Works, Volume 28, HTML Transcription and Markup by Brian Baggins, and the online version is available at Marxists.org, the Marxists Internet Archive, fantastic resource hosting thousands of free Marxist texts. Please go check them out. So, as far as historical context for this piece, what was going on? Late 1918, early 1919, well, the October Revolution, when the Bolsheviks took power, was in October 1917. So this was just over a year into the construction of what would become the Soviet Union. Also, World War I, which had begun in 1914, had also just ended in November 1918, although Russia had withdrawn prior to this. However, that wasn't the end of war for the new revolutionary society. They would face attempts at counter-revolution and civil war up through 1923. In the meantime, the international socialist movement, already significantly split over the question of what to do and what to tell their people regarding World War I, whether to support the bourgeois governments against each other and have workers killing workers for capitalists, as was the position of opportunists like Karl Kautsky, or whether to use the imperialist war as an opportunity for organized workers to turn against capitalists in revolution, as was the position of Lenin and other actual socialists. So, after the war, and especially after the Bolshevik Revolution, as the dust settled, it was time for the international socialist movement to pick sides and decide what was going to be the direction of the future. The opportunistic Second International was now discredited. The Third Communist International, also known as the Comintern, was established in its place. And the Bolsheviks set out to teach all the other parties about what they had learned during their successful revolution, to Bolshevize the other parties, basically. The results were that while some opportunists came around to the communist perspective, others doubled down, refused to admit their mistakes, and redoubled their attacks on this new successful revolution. So this piece by Lenin is one response by Lenin to those attacks and to this whole situation. So let's get into the text. A few numbers of the Berlin Red Banner and the Vienna Call, or Vekruf, the organ of the Communist Party of German Austria, that have reached Moscow show that the traitors to socialism, those who supported the war of the predatory imperialists, the Scheidemans and Kautskys, Austerlitzes and Renners, all who were far-right German Social Democrats, are getting the rebuff they deserve from these genuine representatives of the revolutionary workers of Germany and Austria. We extend warm greetings to both papers, which epitomize the vitality and growth of the Third International. Apparently, the chief question of the revolution, both in Germany and Austria, now is constituent assembly or Soviet government, the spokesmen of the bankrupt Second International, all the way from Scheidemann to Kautsky, stand for the first and describe their stand as defense of, quote, democracy. Kautsky has even gone so far as to call it, quote, pure democracy, as distinct from dictatorship. In the pamphlet, 
the proletarian revolution and the renegade Kautsky, which has just come off the press in Moscow and Petrograd, I examine Kautsky's views in detail. I shall try briefly to give the substance of the point at issue, which has become the question of the day for all the advanced capitalist countries. The Scheidemans and Kautskys speak about pure democracy, and democracy in general, for the purpose of deceiving the people and concealing from them the bourgeois character of present-day democracy. Let the bourgeoisie continue to keep the entire apparatus of state power in their hands. Let a handful of exploiters continue to use the former, bourgeois, state machine. Elections held in such circumstances are lauded by the bourgeoisie, for very good reasons, as being, quote, free, quote, equal, democratic, and universal. These words are designed to conceal the truth, to conceal the fact that the means of production and political power remain in the hands of the exploiters, and that therefore real freedom and real equality for the exploited, that is, for the vast majority of the population, are out of the question. It is profitable and indispensable for the bourgeoisie to conceal from the people the bourgeois character of modern democracy, to picture it as democracy in general, or, quote, pure democracy. And the Scheidemans and Kautskys, repeating this, in practice abandon the standpoint of the proletariat and side with the bourgeoisie. Marx and Engels, in their last joint preface to the Communist Manifesto, the 1872 preface, considered it necessary to specifically warn the workers that the proletariat cannot simply lay hold of the ready-made, that is, the bourgeois or capitalist, state machine, and wield it for their own purpose, but that they must smash it, break it up. There's an editor's footnote there. The last joint preface to the Communist Manifesto written by Marx and Engels was actually the Russian edition of 1882. Continuing. The renegade Kautsky, who has written a special pamphlet entitled Dictatorship of the Proletariat, concealed from the workers this most important Marxist truth, utterly distorted Marxism, and quite obviously, the praise which Scheidemann and company showered on the pamphlet was fully merited as praise by agents of the bourgeoisie, for one switching to the side of the bourgeoisie. It is sheer mockery of the working and exploited people to speak of pure democracy, of democracy in general, of equality, freedom, and universal rights, when the workers and all working people are ill-fed, ill-clad, ruined, and worn out, not only as a result of capitalist wage slavery, but as a consequence of four years of predatory war, while the capitalists and profiteers remain in possession of the, quote, property usurped by them, and the, quote, ready-made apparatus of state power. This is tantamount to trampling on the basic truths of Marxism, which has taught the workers you must take advantage of bourgeois democracy, which, compared with feudalism, represents a great historical advance, but not for one minute must you forget the bourgeois character of this, quote, democracy, its historical conditional and limited character. Never share the superstitious belief in the state, and never forget that the state, even in the most democratic republic, and not only in a monarchy, is simply a machine for the suppression of one class by another. Quick comment there, I've done a number of videos addressing both the social democratic, I mean what we would call social democratic today, error of using the capitalist government and just thinking that that is sort of the end in itself. You know, you can use the capitalist government to sort of uh, restrain, regulate, rein in capitalism and its, quote, worst excesses. That is a mistake. You must abolish the bourgeois system entirely. And also the anarchist mistake 
of wanting to just do away with the state, period. In other words, to abolish the bourgeois system and then not replace it with a worker's state. The state is a product of class society, and socialism is a transitional point within class society, on the way to a classless society. During socialism, workers need a state to suppress the internal bourgeoisie and to protect against international capitalism as the new worker-led society is constructed and as the revolution spreads to all the lands of the earth. As that process nears completion, the transition out of class society wraps itself up and the state becomes less about the suppression of classes or the management of people and more just the administration of things, the management of industry in the new society. But as we stand in 2022, imperialism is still the dominant force on the planet and the state, a worker state, very much needed. Continuing. The bourgeoisie are compelled to be hypocritical and to describe as, quote, popular government, democracy in general, or pure democracy, the bourgeois democratic republic, which is in practice the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie, the dictatorship of the exploiters over the working people. The Scheidemans and Kautskys, the Austerlitzes and Renners, and now, to our regret, with the help of Friedrich Adler, fall in line with this falsehood and hypocrisy. But Marxists, communists, expose this hypocrisy and tell the workers and the working people in general this frank and straightforward truth. The Democratic Republic, the Constituent Assembly, general elections, etc., are in practice the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie, and for the emancipation of labor from the yoke of capital, there is no other way but to replace this dictatorship with the dictatorship of the proletariat. The dictatorship of the proletariat alone can emancipate humanity from the oppression of capital, from the lies, falsehood, and hypocrisy of bourgeois democracy, which is democracy for the rich, and established democracy for the poor. That is, to make the blessings of democracy really accessible to the workers and poor peasants. Whereas now, even in the most democratic, bourgeois, capitalist republic, the blessings of democracy are, in fact, inaccessible to the vast majority of working people. Take, for example, freedom of assembly and freedom of the press. The Scheidemans and Kautskys, the Austerlitzes and Renners, assure the workers that the present elections to the Constituent Assembly in Germany and Austria are, quote, democratic. That is a lie. In practice, the capitalists, the exploiters, the landowners, and the profiteers own 9 out of 10 of the best meeting halls and 9 out of 10 of the stocks of newsprint, printing presses, etc. The urban workers and the farmhands and day laborers are, in practice, debarred from democracy by the, quote, sacred right of property, which is now guarded by the Kautskys and Renners, and, to our regret, by Friedrich Adler as well, and by the bourgeois state apparatus, that is, bourgeois officials, bourgeois judges, and so on. The present freedom of assembly and the press in the democratic, bourgeois democratic, German Republic is false and hypocritical, because in fact it is freedom for the rich to buy and bribe the press, freedom for the rich to befuddle the people with venomous lies of the bourgeois press, freedom for the rich to keep as their property the landowners' mansions, the best buildings, etc. The dictatorship of the proletariat will take from the capitalists and hand over to the working people the landowners' mansions, the best buildings, printing presses, and the stocks of newsprint. But this means replacing, quote, universal, quote, pure democracy 
by the dictatorship of one class, screamed the Scheidemans and Kautskys, the Austerlitzes and Renners, together with their followers in other countries, the Gompersses, Hendersons, Renadels, Vandervelds and company. Wrong, we reply. This means replacing what in fact is the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie, a dictatorship hypocritically cloaked in the forms of the democratic bourgeois republic by the dictatorship of the proletariat. This means replacing democracy for the rich by democracy for the poor. This means replacing freedom of assembly and the press for the minority, for the exploiters, by freedom of assembly and the press for the majority of the population, for the working people. This means a gigantic, world-historic extension of democracy, its transformation from falsehood into truth, the liberation of humanity from the shackles of capital, which distorts and truncates any, even the most, quote, democratic and republican, bourgeois, or capitalist democracy. This means replacing the bourgeois state with the proletarian state, a replacement that is the sole way that the state can eventually wither away altogether. But why not reach this goal without the dictatorship of one class? Why not switch directly to, quote, pure democracy? So ask the hypocritical friends of the bourgeoisie, for the naive petty bourgeois and Philistines gulled by them. And we reply, because in any capitalist society, the powerful tell lies to either the bourgeoisie or the proletariat, while the small proprietors inevitably remain wavering, helpless, stupid dreamers of, quote, pure, i.e. non-class or above-class democracy. Because a society in which one class opposes another, there is no way out other than through the dictatorship of the oppressed class. Because the proletariat alone is capable of defeating the bourgeoisie, of overthrowing them, being the sole class which capitalism has united and schooled, and which is capable of drawing to its side the wavering mass of the working population with a petty bourgeois way of life of drawing them to its side, or at least neutralizing them. Because only mealy-mouthed petty bourgeois and Philistines can dream, deceiving thereby both themselves and the workers, of overthrowing capitalist oppression without a long and difficult process of suppressing the resistance of the exploiters. In Germany and Austria, this resistance is not yet very pronounced because expropriation of the expropriators has not yet begun. But once expropriation begins, their resistance will be fierce and desperate. In concealing this from themselves and from the workers, the Scheidemans and Kautskys, the Austerlitzes and Renners, betray the interests of the proletariat, switching at the most decisive moment from the class struggle and overthrow of the yoke of the bourgeoisie to getting the proletariat to come to terms with the bourgeoisie, achieving, quote, social peace or reconciliation of exploited and exploiters. Comment. We would also call this class peace or class collaboration. Revolutions are the locomotives of history, said Marx. Revolutions teach quickly. The urban workers and farmhands in Germany and Austria will quickly discern the betrayal of the cause of socialism by the Scheidemans and Kautskys, the Austerlitzes and Renners. The proletariat will cast aside these social traitors, socialists in word and betrayers of socialism in practice, as it did in Russia with the same kind of petty bourgeois and Philistines, the Mensheviks and, quote, socialist revolutionaries, populists. The more complete the domination of the above-minded, quote, leaders, the quicker the proletariat will see that only the replacement of the bourgeois state, be it the most democratic bourgeois republic, by a state of the type of the Paris Commune, 
about which so much was said by Marx, who has been distorted and betrayed by the Scheidemans and Kautskys, or by a state of the Soviet type, can open the way to socialism. The dictatorship of the proletariat will deliver humanity from capitalist oppression and war. Signed, Moscow, December 23, 1918. And that's the end of the audiobook. So just in wrapping this up, I think that this is pretty clear. I think that it speaks for itself. And Lenin also put in a plug for the proletarian revolution and the renegade Kautsky, which I was planning to do. Uh, actually, Lenin wrote a lot about the opportunism of the Second International. That is one of the major works. But if you look at the basic Marxism-Leninism playlist, there are several works on this topic because this was a really decisive period, you know, from 1914 up through 1923, really a lot happened. So do check that out. In the meantime, what do you think? Is there a question, comment that you may have? Leave it below in the comment section. We'll continue the discussion there as always. Otherwise, thanks for listening. And thanks to the current patrons whose names are on the screen. If you'd like to get your name on the screen, head to patreon.com slash socialism for all. You can sign up for as little as $2 a month or more, whatever you see fit. We don't run ads on this channel, so that's the support we get. It's very much appreciated, and it allows me to spend a lot more time on this channel. I'm not independently wealthy, and I do have bills to pay. So the patron support really is highly valued. Then, after the content is produced and uploaded, engagement counts, so liking, sharing, subscribing, and commenting, even if it's just thanks or good video. All of that helps to boost the videos in the YouTube algorithm. We just recently crossed 8,000 subscribers, which is great. It's so good to know that increasing numbers of people are interested in these topics, in finding real solutions to the problems facing the world today. So keep it going, because the more engagement it gets, the easier it is for other people, working people with questions, to stumble across it. So your engagement is much appreciated by the future viewers who haven't found the channel yet, but who are going to have an easier time finding it because you engage with it. Thanks again, and we will catch you in the next video.